You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I, I would like to begin here today by calling out the spirits to be with us. So I reach first out to your ancestors, to all those who lived well and died well, all those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in your ancestral lines to you as this great and rich legacy for you to draw on. And I call out to my own, to my own ancestral helping spirits to be with me here today, to bring to me, to me that same rich legacy that comes through my own ancestors to help me to show up as I need to in this day. And we call out to these ancestors to gather around us and to help the living do what they're called to do in each day. Our moment of time of being alive is so short. And we ask these ancestors who know that from their place on the other side, we ask these ancestors to be with us and help us to remember, not that time is running out, but the time that we have here is precious. And may we engage in life with an understanding every moment is a sacred moment. Everything around us is a sacred being. And may we approach our day with that understanding that we are also sacred in that great mix of life. And so I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to gather around and to help us understand to be better at the art of living. We ask them to hold us well, that we might do what needs to be done in a good way for those who are coming. And with the ancestors gathering round to help us, let us take a moment and draw our awareness into our minds and our minds to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies. And let's extend our energy down from our bellies and touch the earth and take a moment in this day to stop everything and to just simply give thanks Thanks for this day. Whatever it holds for you, it is an opportunity to be alive and potentially to create change where it is needed to do what must be done. It's a great, great gift. So we give thanks for life, for this day, for the beauty, for the diversity, and even for the challenges, for those gifts we have not yet figured out exactly how to open. So we give thanks to all that the day holds, all that life has been that has brought us to this moment for all that is and all that will be, and for the clear and true miracle of life that we each share. So we give great gratitude to the earth and reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth, sending our gratitude out as we go until we reach the very center of the earth and we anchor ourselves firmly there. And we take a moment to draw in the resource here at the very center of the earth in the stillness and the darkness, the silence, the coolness, the peace. And we draw this energy in to nourish, to replenish, to restore, to rejuvenate, and to give us the energy that we need to be responsible and accountable in our life, to be trustworthy to ourselves and to others. And so we draw this earth energy up 
drawing it up to restore and replenish ourselves in our life. We draw this energy up all the way into our bodies. And as we breathe this energy in, we use it to choose to be grounded, to create a sense of place in our life, a sense of hearth and home. And we do this in a way, I hope we do this in a way, that is open to the other, that we might learn from the other. Those very things that will help us to become the people we actually came here to be. Because where we are comfortable, where we are being who we already know ourselves to be, we are actually already dying. It is in that discomfort that we are most alive, that discomfort of change and transformation. So let us set the table in a way that invites the other in. Let us open our minds and our hearts to things who are people who are different than we are and invite them to our table and ask them to share and ask them to be shared with. And so we ask the energy of the earth to help us to continue to understand how do we connect? How do we interconnect? How do we do so in a good way, in a healthy way? How do we be interconnected in our life just as the plants and the animals are in an ecosystem? How do we do this in a way that is a constant interdialogue, a constant balance, a constant dynamic change, and yet always sustaining all life? And so we call out to the earth to help us to understand this interconnection and this oneness of all things. And may we take from that oneness right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, with the environment, and with our helping spirits. And we ask the energy of the earth to be this firm foundation from which we leap into the new people that we need to be to write this new story for the new world. And we ask the earth to be there so that we might make a solid landing into that which is to come. And so we draw the energy of the earth up from our bellies to our hearts, our hearts to our minds, and we send the energy of the earth up and out the top of our head as we rise up, greeting the day, the sky above us, whatever weather it holds, moving out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, reaching out through all the heavenly bodies, all the great mysteries and wonders of the universe and beyond. We reach all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know that, name it. By whatever way you know it, know it in your heart and your mind. See yourself in it and it reflected in you. And begin to draw this sky energy down. Drawing down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings, the energy of blessings, the energy of protection and generosity, the energy of devotion, the energy of the benevolence and the beneficence of our universe, all the wisdom of the cosmos coming in and settling into you, into these proceedings, just as the rays of the sun touch the leaves of the plants and begin the whole cycle that supports life. Just let it be easy. Let it radiate down. Let it enter in, into your mind, into your heart, into your belly, and extend all the way down to the center of the earth. And with the energy of these two great lovers within you, earth and sky, let yourself be this meeting place, this place that holds the great love, this great dynamic love that birthed this entire experience of form into existence, that we might be here now to enjoy it. And so in the space of that big love, may our heart spirits be awakened. And may our hearts do what these two great lovers do, which is draw up this, this path.
passionate, fiery, frustrated, how do I get out in the world kind of energy wanting to come to know itself that lives deep in our bellies. And we draw that energy up into the heart. And we draw down the crystal clarity of the mind that has been out here in the world and understands what time we are in, what needs to be done, what risks must be taken, and what traditions must be held. And we draw that energy down into the heart and we let these two energies dance. Let them be exactly who they are and dance together and in that tension give birth to the third most sacred thing that you carry within you, which is your knowing of why you are here, that memory in your heart of what you were born to do, what you, were he- what you are here to bring. And may you find in your heart, in the very humanness of your heart, the courage that you need to do something, large or small, to bring those gifts out into the world. So I give thanks for all the spirits gathering round the earth below, the sky above, and for being held well as we go forward with these proceedings here today. May what needs to be heard be heard, what needs to be said be said, and may these things go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd like to give thanks uh, to Mark Allen, to Jane, Melissa, and Deb, and all of those of you who have donated to the show. I want to give thanks to all of the listeners who donated to the show in 2013 because we have officially once again done the impossible, that we have made Why Shamanism Now 100% listener supported, and I am deeply grateful for your assistance in doing that. Um, I'm also grateful for those of you who discovered that you could set up a monthly payment um, to Why Shamanism Now on your own PayPal account. This, this, this substantial um, or dependable uh, offering to the show is very, very helpful. It helps us feel a little bit more on stable feet month to month as we go forward with the programming of the show. So that's very much appreciated as well. If you are moved by this show in any way, even if you're moved to irritation and distraction, which very well might happen today, given the topic of today's show, know that you've been moved in your heart and this is the essence of true shamanic teachings, is to become people who allow the motivations of our hearts to motivate our actions, not in a way that is foolish, but in a way that is deeply informed by the wisdom we carry within ourselves and that which we receive from the world around us. And so please do that most shamanic of things. If you are moved by this show, do something to help the show to grow and to stay strong, to maintain and sustain it. And you can do this by offering financially if you can, because there are bills that need to be paid. But I am also grateful for those of you that offer your questions, that offer your show ideas, um, that interact with the show in some way also to spread it into your life. And my deep, deep heart satisfaction is also those of you who are simply willing to live the teachings, to wrestle with them, to, to, to work with them and see if you can break them. And to dialogue with me with your questions about how we can actually live shamanically in this contemporary world. So I thank you all for all of it. For those of you that don't know, whyshamanismnow.com, so the show has its own website. You can support most easily through the show. Uh, through the show website, I'm sorry, click the support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. You are also welcome to simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to send you a physical address for a physical check if you'd prefer that. We are live today, so if you have questions about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site 
or just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Uh, today's show, which is about cultivating emotional well-being, will be two parts. And so if you do have questions about today's shows, email them to me and perhaps they'll end up as part of the second half of the show. So health, in shamanic terms, requires the interaction of the body and spirit, the mind and emotion. There is no physical health in a shamanic perspective apart from the dynamic interaction of all four aspects of being a human being. So a shamanic diagnosis then addresses these four aspects of the human simultaneously in, in, the, in the moment while also looking back at past events that could have caused the present dysfunction. Um, shamanic healing also to a certain extent looks forward in time. But the important thing is that the interaction of the four aspects of the human being um, is understood in shamanism to be deeply essential for health. And so essential that in the structures of the cultures that shamanic people created, maintenance, the the individual person doing cultivation and maintenance of all four aspects of themselves was built into the social fabric, the values, and the ritual structure of these cultures. And so nowhere is this more challenging for us to really understand as contemporary people than in the realm of our emotions, because this is a realm that we tend towards either indulgence or denial. We, we very rarely know how to be well-adjusted in our emotional life um, to be able to go forward in a way that uh, creates health and well-being in all aspects of ourself. That to be a well-adjusted adult is becoming more and more rare. Um, and in that has become a great confusion in what it means to be truly sensitive or to be highly sensitive, to be empathic or unconditionally accepting or all of these words that get used quite a bit in the human potential movement have grown to be deeply misunderstood relative to a shamanic perspective. Um, and so this is what I'd like to explore uh, today and next week. Now, I, I'm doing this because I've been actually getting a lot of questions about emotions. And uh, so, for example, one listener recently said, um, have you actually done a show about working with emotions? And I'm sort of laughing because most of the shows actually are. It's just somehow hidden to people. And this is, I don't know, part of the problem, I guess. Um, so the listener says, emotions are mentioned in several shows, but emotions are so, so short-changed in the body-mind-spirit movement that I think um, they are worth their own separate show. Um, so perhaps, uh, I'll try to do that. So for the next two weeks, we're going to explore the basics of what I've learned from my helping spirits about cultivating emotional well-being. And just to start off with, I'll say, in a nutshell, they've taught me two things. First is that everything I'd learned about emotions from my everyday American life and my um, just normal American life made me sick. One way or another, it contributed to my lack of health and well-being. And the second thing that I learned in, in, in the very essence of what I learned from my helping spirits is that emotional well-being is possible for everyone. And that it simply requires the discipline to break old patterns and the courage to risk trusting new ones. In other words, emotional well-being requires the warriorship of the heart. 
And so the courageous heart work and much of the heart work that's been developed through the cycle teachings and my uh, efforts to bring those teachings out into the world come from a long, long uh, time of healing and learning and working with the helping spirits, from being just an everyday, ordinary American person who was addictive, codependent, enabling, etc., and really emotionally unwell, very emotional, but emotionally unwell, and comes from years of learning from the helping spirits how to reorient myself in the world. And along with that, though, it's really important for me to be honest about the fact that I would not have been able to understand what the helping spirits were trying to teach me because I would I didn't have the correct context. So in other words, when information comes in, if you don't have the correct context to understand it as it's intended, you will misunderstand it. It's, it's, it's true for all of us. And so my emotional sort of information that I gained growing up in America put me in a wrong context, to make this simple, to, to understand what my helping spirits were saying. What changed my context for me is the clearing practice that I learned to do in my 20s and I continue to teach now. Because I, I see now that without the clearing practice to change me emotionally and change my inner context for receiving messages from spirit, I wouldn't have really understood deeply what the helping spirits were trying to teach me. Because it was just, it, the, the ideas are just so far apart. So I'm going to give it a whirl. It's a little tricky, but I'll do my best to share this with, with you all in the next couple of weeks. So another listener said um, that it would be a good topic to hear what I sense is your understanding um, that is different between what we're taught or what we believe empathy and love and acceptance are and what you discovered in the shamanic worldview. Um, and... So, this see, this is the thing that I'm saying is I actually talk about emotional well-being all the time on these shows. But of all of the things that I talk about regularly, it is the thing that is most often either misunderstood. So people send me questions about it. How could you say this and then say this? Those two things don't make sense together. And then people also say what these listeners are saying is, you know, you need to do a show on emotions. I'm always doing shows on emotions. <laughs> so. So what I want to do today is try to clear up the context. Why is it that we have such deep misunderstanding about emotions? Um, and in the in the so so today I'm going to talk a lot about context. And this might be a frustrating show. I'll tell you right out of the gate. This might be a frustrating show to hear. And hopefully. Um, by next week, get to a place where I can start to field these questions and the shamanic answers, but do so in a different context. So we're going to struggle a little bit today with, with context around understanding what emotional well-being might be from a shamanic perspective. So part of my challenge in preparing for this show is there's so many versions out about emotional sickness out there being shared on Facebook and across the internet. I read them from a shamanic perspective and I see people being encouraged to continue to be unwell emotionally. And it's very frustrating actually. 
it's very, very frustrating. Um, especially when learning emotional well-being is so simple. You truly can change the entire context and function of your emotional body, its own intelligence, and what it offers then in its interaction with your mental and spiritual and physical body in one weekend. Yes, you're going to have to practice it for the rest of your life. But, but the things that I learned in my 20s, the practices can be taught so simply. And yet what's interesting is I say, people say, well, yes, but couldn't you teach me about having healthy emotions? And I'm saying, well, yes, come and take this weekend class. Well, yes, but couldn't you do a show about healthy emotions? And the, and the, the thing that spirits have really taught me about emotions and about the mind, actually, because they're, they, are, they are in relationship with each other, is that they are both mutable and changeable and that they have already been mutated and changed by how you were raised and that both of them, discipline of the mind and the emotions, having practices to discipline the unwieldy parts of that are what allow us to cultivate a really strong sense of a robust, healthy, emotional life and a clear and non-seducible, non-distorted mental life that allows you to go through life together. Those things together allow you then to cultivate true discernment in life. Okay. So I feel like we, we culturally here in America, although I, I'm very sure this is not exclusively in America. It's pretty much the Western world. But I speak for America, since this is where I live, uh, we have grown so emotionally sick as a culture that we are starting to describe a well-adjusted adult, just a normal, well-adjusted adult, as an empath. It's very bizarre. So, so someone who is sensitive and well-rounded and emotionally available is now somehow special and not the norm. And to me, this speaks volumes about where our culture is failing us, and why it is that shamanism has risen up at this time. Because the, the place our culture fails us most deeply is at the gates, birth, initiation into adulthood, initiation into your, your profession, your work, your gift to the world, and tending the gate at death. That these things must be tended as a fundamental structure of the culture for the individuals in the culture to then become well-adjusted adults, to be joyful, well-adjusted children who grow into well-adjusted adults. And so now we're beginning to define those individuals who actually do become well-adjusted adults as special people. It's, it's, it's frightening. So this is the type of growing misinformation and, and myth we're starting to create that we need to turn away from. It only spreads the emotional illness that arises out of our deep misunderstanding of our responsibility to cultivate and maintain a healthy energy body and its interrelationship um, with our emotional intelligence. If we don't have a healthy energy body, our mind and our emotions both suffer. And it's a given. It's true for everyone. The difference is what practices you need to engage in to maintain a healthy energy body. And I'm going to use Betsy Bergstrom and myself as examples because I have a tendency 
to be grounded to the point of being stuck. And so I need to do certain practices to maintain a healthy energy body because of that. And Betsy Bergstrom, who has a very similar life, very similar work in the world, is, is the opposite kind of person where she has a tendency, as she's described in the show, of being quite dispersed and the practices she needs to do. But the bottom line is whether you tend to always know where you are and be grounded and oriented in the world or you tend to be dispersed, neither one of those is a special psychic ability. They're just the range of human experience. And both of us are equally responsible for maintaining a healthy energy body, which then supports us in maintaining healthy thoughts and healthy emotions in our life. And that, in other words, Betsy's sensitivity doesn't let her off the hook for needing to be emotionally healthy and responsible. Just like my tendency to be clear and oriented doesn't make me right all the time. That I also need to be responsible for cultivating, maintaining a healthy energy body to maintain my mental and emotional life. Okay. So I'm going to start talking about these myths that are beginning to circulate on the internet and this the myth the myth of the highly sensitive person what is that and what isn't that the myth of everybody being an empath just because they're overrun by everybody else's emotions um i'm going to talk about this today but before i do that let me share what we should if if you've been listening to the show i'm going to summarize some of the things we already know about emotional well-being from the show about a shamanic perspective of emotional well-being. So the first thing I already talked about, we all have four bodies. Each body has its own intelligence and the four bodies are the physical body, the mental body and the spiritual body. And so you see this structure in every medicine wheel teaching from all the different people all over the world that have medicine wheel teachings or medicine hoop teachings. You see this four element structure it's not just the four directions and the four elements it's also the four bodies and the four intelligences that come from the bodies so this is deeply embedded in shamanic cultures and there are versions of it in the shamanic cultures that have five element systems so it's not exclusively the four element systems um okay but basically you get my point now the bodies and their intelligences develop naturally to a certain extent if you allow them to. So if you organize your culture to support and enhance the natural development of a child's physical body, the natural development of a child's emotional body, the natural development of their mental body, and the natural development of their spiritual body, if you structure your culture to support that, then children are already beginning to start to build a platform for being a healthy adult. They're going to have to learn some other things too, but it starts to build the platform. Now the problem is, okay, so what, what supports natural development is allowing children to play freely, allowing them to engage with things, allowing them to break their arm and stub their toe and scrape their knee, allowing them to um, be physical and encouraging them to exercise in their life, talking with them when they have their emotional upsets and being, being present for them to understand what is the upset, what happened, how does it get made right, um, to 
do things with them that exercise their mind, tell them stories, read them stories, and and watching stories visually is a very different activity for the mind. So there are things to do for their minds. Telling them the specific teaching stories is a way that cultures have it still do actually mostly to the negative, but you shape the development of the mind of the child. And then spiritually, encouraging the child to believe in and engage in their natural relationship with spirit through their intuition and other ways that we engage with the invisible world very naturally as children and helping them to understand what's going on. So these are all ways to support this natural development of the four bodies in a child. It's it's not rocket science. The problem is... While there are things that enhance the development, the natural development of the four bodies, there are things that grossly hinder or completely render dormant the development of these four bodies. So if you live in a culture like America, in my time, in my time growing up, where the mind is held up above all else, the emotions are considered um, immature and less than, and they are there to be denied. So if you grow up in a culture that's already that believes that and supports that in its values and its teachings, you're going to definitely distort a, every child's development to some degree, their natural development of the energy bodies. And then you add to that whatever drama is going on inside the family of origin, and you definitely have different the different four bodies being um, the natural development being affected by the stuff that happens in childhood. And so what's important to understand is that all children respond to that the same way. Through the one aspect of their being that is already mature and developed, which is their soul. Souls aren't children. Children are children, but the soul is eternal. And so when children get into situations in childhood, which they inevitably do, they reach out through their intuition, their sensitivity, their extra sensitivity to try to understand what is going on and how to restore peace and harmony, how to restore their confidence that the love and the food they need to survive will come. And so the idea that people get really, children get really extended out and pay a whole lot of attention to what's going on in the world around them is normal for all children. To be hypersensitive and hyper aware of what's going on out there and then often, if that's too horrible to really know, to then shut down. So this is not anybody's special life story. Welcome to being a child in the Western world. So, with that said, the helping spirits help me understand is that, A, that's not the way to raise children, but B, how do we repair the damage that does to the four bodies? So, pre-contact shamanic cultures were very aware of this very dynamic that I'm talking about. They were aware of the importance to build into the culture the things that enhance the, de- the, be- the natural development of the four bodies, Right? And so, and and to embed these values in the culture, and so they were um, aware that while the physical body, you know, in pre-contact shamanic cultures, you had to actually be active in life, and so largely, if you just did what boys and girls did to learn to be men and women in a culture, people were pretty physical. So that could 
largely take care of itself, but there are many cultures where to pass your initiation, male or female, at 14 or 15, you had to accomplish some pretty significant physical feat that you could actually die doing if you weren't strong enough. And so there was an actual um, effort to strengthen yourself, to develop your physical body in that in these shamanic cultures. Um, as I said, the spiritual body of the child is actually already fairly mature. And so that's not something you have to worry too much about if you just don't get in the way. What the shamanic cultures really understand is the shaping and the development of the emotional and mental bodies. And that those two bodies must be cultivated more so than the physical and spiritual if the child is going to grow into an adult who is well-adjusted emotionally and mentally. So the other thing that you see in shamanic cultures is the importance of adults modeling being well-adjusted mentally and emotionally and teaching children these values kind of in bite-sized pieces, step-by-step, experience-by-experience that support that child in really being able to see what it looks like to be a well-adjusted adult. And that with that comes learning whatever the practices are in the culture that the adults engage in to maintain their well-being. So you see that with adults modeling mental well-being and you see that with adults modeling emotional well-being and the practices that come with each of these to maintain, to cultivate and maintain them. You also see in shamanic cultures a focus on developing the intuition and ultimately teaching the child to engage in whatever sanctioned practice for entering altered states the culture employs. Um, and within that, then, there is the initiation into adulthood, this marker where a child is, a child is tested to the degree that the child self needs to die. And that whole emotional body that of all the wounds, all the thing that's owed, what I didn't get, what I did get, all the things that happened that were wrong, that child accounting of things has to be sacrificed and a clean slate brought to life. That's the function in the initiation from childhood to adulthood in a shamanic culture. And so then once that challenge is met, the person who was a child is recognized as an adult now with adult expectations that are very clear and they are upheld. And so this idea of kids coming back home and living on your couch for free, that's not going to happen because what it means to be an adult in the culture is clearly defined and you're held to it after initiation. And, you know, going to college doesn't count as initiation. Starting to menstruate doesn't account as initiation. Even about mitzvah doesn't count as this kind of initiation. Because this is functional. It's about the four bodies. And it's about moving a child into adulthood very consciously with a conscious understanding of what a well-adjusted adult looks like. Now, the biggest problem we have culturally is kids look out around them and they don't see well-adjusted adults, emotionally or mentally. And so it's a problem. And we're the living. We chose to be here now. So this is a challenge. We came here to rise to. That's why we are here now. This is one of the many reasons we are here now, is to rise to this challenge. We look all around us and we can see what we're doing isn't working. This is one of the challenges, especially those of us with shamanic skills need to rise to. So, 
the point is in all of this is we can intentionally cultivate the, the four energy bodies, understanding that every child is going to be extending out through their intuition, their extrasensory perception. They're going to be totally involved in what everybody else is thinking and feeling and trying to interpret it and figure it out and basically manipulate the situation back into peace and harmony. And this is what children do. They don't want to die. It's all about survival. And so that's really normal. So to be connected out like that is normal. Now, when you don't have the initiation to go through, to, to dump all that and to reboot for a clear slate, then you're in trouble. And so the beauty of what came into my life in my young 20s is this clearing practice. And I'm not going to talk about it today on the show because I've actually talked about it on a lot of other shows. But I just want to point out to people, this weekend is happening April 24th through 26th. And it's happening again in Portland May 30th to June 1st. So this weekend is available. For those of you that want emotional well-being, register. Come, learn. It's a weekend. It can change your life. It's not the only thing you need. It's not going to change everything, but it will change fundamentally your capacity to cultivate and maintain emotional well-being. And without it, you might not ever be able to because you need to learn to clear this childhood stuff that I'm talking about. Okay, so moving on to the confusion in today's context when we talk about this stuff. So there's a great confusion today about empathy. And the reason I'm focusing on empathy is because of what I was just saying about the child. Taking that childhood emotional body that's extended out into everything through the five senses, through the extrasensory perception, through all of the intuitive senses, trying to figure out what the hell is going on and how to survive, and deeply invested in other people's energy and being profoundly influenced by other people's energy. That's actually a normal state for a child. But to bring that energy body into your adult life without change, that's a problem. It is not a healthy emotional body for an adult. And in the first interview we did with Betsy Bergstrom, she does a really good job talking about how she saw it, how she figured that out, how she was absorbing energy all the time, all day long from everybody. And she would get home from work really strongly influenced by, she's working in the healthcare system, by all these people that were not well, and how she was really lose herself in that. She has a beautiful job describing that. And what I like about her description is it goes right into her understanding that it's her responsibility to figure out how to not live that way. That that oversensitivity to everybody was a dysfunction. It was not empathy. And it didn't make her an empath either. That this was an unhealthy, overwhelming emotional state where a child energy body had been brought into the adult life. And so what she did was grew up. And learned what did she need to clear, what did she need to develop to be able to maintain a healthy emotional life for her adult life. And it's the exact same thing I had to do. I was not healthy emotionally. And I said, instead of saying, oh, well, I'm sensitive, I must be an empath, 
which I could have said based on my experience. But what I said is this sucks. I don't like being this way. I don't want to be overrun by everybody else's energy. I'm not going to make it special and now distort the wounded healer story. Well, I'm a wounded healer, so I'm overrun by everybody's energy. I'm processing everybody else's karma, but that's my lot in life because I'm an empath. And, of course, you know it's the wounded healer thing. This is such a deep misunderstanding of really important things in life. Like what is empathy and what is an empath? What does it mean to become sensitive? Because if you're going to have a courageous heart in the world, you are going to feel. You are going to feel robustly. You will be sensitive. But what does it mean to be a highly sensitive person? What does it mean to be an insensitive person? These things are all getting mucked up and made sacred and special because they're being called being an empath or being the wounded healer and totally misunderstanding what it actually takes to be those things, which are real things. But what most people are actually talking about is what it feels like to bring a child emotional body development into an adult life and trying to live as an adult through a child's emotional body. So... Uh, Out there on the internet, there is an article called um, Empathy is Not a Psychic Ability (laughs) by Anton St. Martin. And I'm going to work with this here a little bit. So uh, what St. Martin says is that there are people among us who lack remorse and empathy and feel emotion only shallowly. We call these people sociopaths. In extreme cases, they might not care whether you live or die. Some of them are violent criminals, but by no means all. This is actually taken from a piece um, circling the Internet right now um, with uh, the work of Professor Robert Hare, who's a criminal psychologist who studies people with um, psychopathology. And um, he explains this in an article that came out of the UK. He explains that about 1%... This is, this is a big number, actually. About 1% of the people in the Western world have high levels of psychopathology. That 1%, that's pretty big. And that not all of them, by any stretch of imagination, become criminals. In fact, many of them, because of their glibness and charm and willingness to ride roughshod over other people who are in their way, become quite successful. They become CEOs, they become professional athletes, they become soldiers, among other things. And these people are revered for their courage, their straight talk, and their willingness to crush obstacles in their way. So it's important to understand that the indicator around being a well-adjusted person or having pathology is your capacity to develop empathy. Empathy is a natural human capacity and It is developed in, I mean, children have it, but we as adults need to recognize it and reward it and value it and help the children continue to develop it so that it becomes a strong part of who they are as adults because it allows them to be well-adjusted. And one of the things we're starting to see in our world today, very much just in the last 10 years, is that these people, this 1% who are somewhat pathological, who, serve, who have become successful, in a sense, without remorse or empathy, have made decisions for banking, for mortgages, for Enron, and for basic companies like that that aren't healthy for the whole. 
they aren't healthy for life. And so we're starting to see that while they have succeeded in success the way success has been defined, it is time for us culturally to redefine to success. And we even have that happening on a corporate level with B corporations. So this is not just a crazy shamanic woo-woo idea. This, this, this is happening in the world. So let's all get on board and make it happen faster is my opinion about that. So back to empathy. So this is what St. Martin said in his article. There is a fashionable notion nowadays for individuals to be branded as psychics or empaths if they are emotionally sensitive or display a high level of compassion towards others. It is automatically assumed that people who are emotionally intelligent must also have an exceptional capacity for extrasensory perception. Nothing could be further from the truth. If anything, this myth is serving to confuse and mislead people and may even cause further emotional damage by imposing unreasonable expectations on some highly sensitive or even emotionally vulnerable people. So we come by this confusion honestly. I'm not blaming anybody for being confused. We culturally have come to this confusion honestly. And we need to understand that this urban myth of the empath is leading us away from emotional well-being. So let me share an example from the internet. Being an empath is when you are affected by other people's energies and have an innate ability to intuitively feel and perceive others. Your life is unconsciously influenced by others' desires, wishes, thoughts, and moods. Being an empath is much more than being highly sensitive, and it's not just limited to emotions. Empaths can perceive physical sensitivities and spiritual urges, as well as just knowing the motivations and intentions of other people. You are either an empath or you aren't. It's not a trait that you learned. You're always open, so to speak, to process other people's feelings and energy, to process other people's feelings and energy, which means that you really feel and in some cases take on the emotions of others. Some empaths experience things like chronic fatigue, environmental sensitivities, or unexplained aches and pains daily. These are all things that are more likely to be contributed to outside influences and not so much yourself at all. Essentially, you are walking, listen to this, essentially you are walking around in this world with all of the accumulated karma emotions and energy from others Ugh. <laughs> so now let's look at this through a shamanic perspective in other words a way of seeing being human from the perspective of our helping spirits who are deeply invested in learning and in us learning to be better humans and there's shows about that but try the one with Steve Bear as a guest so I'm going to look at this paragraph here in a minute but I want to say if you need a way to think about this think about it this way in my body in your body in our bodies there are many many cells and it is important for my liver cells to stay liver cells my heart cells to stay heart cells my little neurotransmitters to stay neurotransmitters and to go through whatever the biological renewal system is. But basically, I don't want my liver cells just releasing their little liver cell membranes and puking their stuff out into my body. I don't want my heart cells doing that. I want my cells being cells. I want them to stay what they are and do what they're meant to be. So when we as individuals go through life just being open 
in a sense, puking out our emotional energy and taking in what everybody else is puking out. We're not being cells in the great body. So we are in an unhealthy state. If all of your cells released their cell walls, released their membranes, and just puked all their internal cell stuff out into your body, you'd just become a big bag of biology and you'd die. It's really, really a toxic situation. And this is what's happening emotionally when you bring a child emotional body into your adult life and don't cultivate an adult emotional body is you just puke this energy out all over the place and take in what everybody else is puking out. And so even if you are actually an empath, if you really do have that particularly high-scale ability to be a true empath, a true Claire empathic, you still need to cultivate a healthy energy body or your ability to use your gifts will always be toxic. So that's what the Helping Spirits finally taught me is maintaining an unhealthy emotional energy state is not good foundation for anybody's special abilities. So if we go back to this piece from the internet, so being an empath is when you're affected by other people's energies and have an innate ability to intuitively feel and perceive others. We all did that as children. That is not a special ability. So the first thing we have to understand is, A, we all have those qualities. Some of us maybe got overwhelmed and we shut them down. Some of them are overextended. But the bottom line is that's normal. And we all, if we're, in, if we're uncomfortable in that, we need to cultivate a healthy energy body to um, manage that. So we all have those qualities. The fact that we're affected by the energies of our environment is the primary motivator for each one of us to grow out of our child energy body where we are sensitive to everything and to learn to have boundaries and then to ground those boundaries. And then as we mature, to have ever-evolving, flexible, and responsive protection in those groundies, grounding and boundaries. The paragraph continues, your life is unconsciously influenced by others' desires, wishes, thoughts, and moods. And this is true for all children. And it is an unhealthy state for all adults, psychically gifted or not. And so we need a healthy energy body. And a a healthy adult energy body allows us to not be unconsciously influenced by desires, wishes, thoughts, and moods of others. Being an empath, again, back to the paragraph, being an empath is much more than being highly sensitive, which which is true, actually, but this part isn't. And it's not just limited to emotions. Empaths can perceive physical sensitivities and spiritual urges, as well as just knowing the motivation and intentions of other people. That is also perfectly describes the state of being of someone who has no boundaries, poor boundaries, or very porous boundaries. And so it is an indicator, it is not an indicator of some sort of emotional sensitivity or specialness. It's an indicator that your emotional body and your energy body are not developed into the state of health you need them to be for your adult life. Back again to Betsy's story. You know, Betsy is particularly sensitive and she is potentially empathic. I don't know if she identifies as that or not, but the point of it is she understood this being overwhelmed by other people's energies wasn't healthy, whether she had a special gift or not. 
And then the paragraph goes on to say, you're either an empath or you aren't. It's not a trait that is learned. So let us pause here for a moment and go back to St. Martin, who actually is clairempathic. So he says, please know that natural human empathy is not a scarce commodity that needs to be classified as a paranormal phenomenon. It is not a physical, a psychic ability that must be developed or applied at all costs. If empathy really were such a rare trait, then our society is in much greater jeopardy than we suspect because of the pathology. So people who do not display empathy are considered by medical profession to be abnormal or disordered back to the pathology we talked about in the beginning, that a lack of empathy is a common characteristic found in cluster B personality disorders, uh, especially in those diagnosed with antisocial and narcissistic personality disorder. How many CEOs are narcissists? I mean, not to ding any CEOs that might be listening, but come on, let's all do the test. So individuals who are unable to express empathy need psychological counseling or psychiatric treatment, not psychic development. If empathy really is an inherited talent or innate psychic ability, like clairaudience or mediumship, then everyone who does not have a gift of empathy, by implication, must be some sort of psychopath, sociopath, or narcissist. One might as well claim that all people who have the ability to care um, are incarnations of archangels, or that every person who can laugh carries extraterrestrial DNA. <laughs> so... He continues, the erroneous association of natural human empathy with supernatural psychic ability stems from the confusion that exists about terminology and a shortage of parapsychology research, as well as plain human ignorance. The use of the term empathy to describe an extrasensory ability is simply inaccurate and misleading. Empathy and sympathy. Both are natural ways to express compassion and caring for others. Both are a natural trait found in most well-adjusted humans. Back to my issue, which is, are we well-adjusted adult humans? In fact, both empathy and sympathy are an important aspect of emotional intelligence. And both are basic social skills taught to us at a young age if we had good parents and good caregivers. But there is a distinct difference between empathy and sympathy which is important to understand, especially for people who work in helping and service professions. In empathy, this is a quote by Lauren Wispy. In empathy, one substitutes oneself for the other person. In sympathy, one substitutes others for oneself. So the object of empathy is understanding. The object of sympathy is the other person's well-being. In some, empathy is a way of knowing Sympathy is a way of relating. And these are both important parts of being a well-adjusted adult. But empathy itself, to, be, to feel empathy towards others, is necessary. It's not special. It's a normal psychological trait. Some people may have a greater aptitude for empathy than others because they are emotionally more intelligent, in other words, better adjusted in their emotional body, or have more life experience, or due to some genetic predisposition, uh, but that doesn't make them psychic. You are not a psychic or an empath 
because you were properly socialized by your parents or because you are caring and considerate member of society or because you're a highly sensitive person or because you're able to instinctively notice someone else's feelings through cues you get from their body language or their facial expressions or their tone of voice or their behaviors like crying or sighing. The more empathic you are, the more you are able to comprehend and express how others are feeling. But this is not an extrasensory ability, and it can be learned. Empathy and Claire empathy, and this is the place where the confusion really comes in. The word empathetic describes normal empathy a person would express towards other, while empathic is more appropriate to describe the extrasensory or energetic perceptions experienced by an empath which we should probably call Claire empathy so we can start to clear this confusion up as in clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, clairempathic. Right? To understand we are talking about something that goes beyond a normal well-adjusted human. So empathetic is the expression of natural empathy. Empathic is Claire empathy, the expression of a significantly greater than normal um, capacity. So an empath is a person who has a vivid, clear, empathic experience. This means direct and extrasensory experiences of other people's emotions, moods, and motivations on a daily basis. But they are not overrun by them. They are not processing them. They are not responsible for them. A true empath has really good boundaries. While they sense these things, they take none of it personally. They take none of it on. While they may sense a pain, the pain does not stay. They don't make it their own. People with bad boundaries make it their own, take it on, take responsibility for it, feel they need to process it, etc., etc., St. Martin says, this is describing his own experience, so I can feel what others feel without knowing anything about them or having any direct contact or interaction with them. I can experience these feelings and sensations with people on the other side of the world, and they are not limited to emotions because I also experience physical sensations and symptoms. I also experience or sense emotional information and feeling states from people past and future. I often know how someone felt at some point in history or how they will feel at some point in the future. Clearly, this has very little to do with simply empathizing with someone in a given moment, but it also means these energies aren't being taken on, they're not being overrun, the person, he is not processing them, he is simply noticing them as information and interpreting them for the client. So an example, he says, is, I would be in line in the supermarket and suddenly feel a pain and discomfort in my right arm. When I turn around, there would be someone in line behind me with their injured right arm in a sling. Not only would I briefly feel their physical pain, but I may also get a clairvoyant flash of what happened to them to injure their arm and how they feel at the time. And I will feel how frustrated they might be with not having the use of one arm or whatever. And I, he says, I also sense how they will feel in months in the future when the side effects of the injury become worse instead of better or better instead of worse. So he says he can feel the anxiety some people feel in the pit of their stomach when they are telling a lie or he can feel their heartbeat increase when they are feeling guilty. So the point is that this does not mean he says, that it does not mean that I necessarily identify with their feelings, which is empathy, 
or feel sorry for them, which is sympathy, that I simply sense what she or he is feeling, and I know why they're feeling the way they're feeling, even if it makes no sense to me, and without me focusing my attention on them, or engaging with her, or taking any of that energy on. And so he goes on then to talk about unconscious empaths, and unconscious empaths are, in a sense, what, I, what I've been talking about from the beginning of the show, which is someone who has an actual capacity, just like I had a capacity, Betsy had a capacity, this man, St. Martin's, is an, has clear empathic capacity. But all three of us understand, if we take other people's energy on and allow ourselves to be overrun by it, believe it is our responsibility to process it, we're not doing our job. We're not bringing our gifts to the world. That for every person, no matter your special capacity, the daily work of cultivating a healthy energy body, no matter what your natural sensitivities are, and from that developing a healthy emotional body, and with that a healthy mental body, are absolutely necessary, if, particularly if you're using clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairempathic, clairsentient skills in your life because without clearing your energy body and your emotional body you will distort your interpretation and you will give not only give people erroneous information inaccurate information but you harm yourself and others by continuing to live in an unhealthy energetic and emotional state so next week what we're going to talk about is how we cultivate a healthy emotional state. What I've learned from the shamanic skills for doing that, but in the meantime, because it's coming up quickly, there is a class you can learn to do that in Colorado at the end of April and in Portland at the end of May. And both classes are on my website at lastmasscenter.org and the registration information is there in the calendar. I hope to see you there. So we give thanks to the Ancestral Helping Spirits for painlessly and patiently staying around to help us to learn these things again and again and again to the earth below, the sky above, and the hearts that unite us all. Have a great week, everyone.